0: told me, I want to be the best football player I can be for as long as I can be. It wasn't, I want to be the best football player ever. It was the best football player I can be. And how does he plan on doing this? Drew Brees backs this by always exploring ways to becoming more efficient. And there's no fluff to that either. He owns dozens of franchises. He's a franchisor, an angel investor, and philanthropist. I mean, we're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. A certain Hall of Famer. And where that's not enough, off the field, Drew Brees Enterprises is a nine-figure business. He's grounded. And that's why throughout our interview, Drew tells me his legacy will be his husbandship and fatherhood. He has four wonderful kids we all hope will one day play lacrosse. Episode 13 marks the first episode we recorded over the phone. And where there were challenges, it was also a great experience. When I connected with Drew through a mutual friend, a former Navy SEAL, now founder and CEO of TRX, Randy Hetrick, Drew responded with, let's do this. Appreciative, I told him, hey man, you know, let's sync up first and maybe talk through a run a show. His response, Paul, I've listened, I love the premise and think we can jump right in. And boy, Drew came prepared. Welcome to Suiting Up Podcast, where I interview athletes, media executives, team owners, and other key stakeholders about the duality of the modern professional athlete. Their startup investing appetite, other investments, new codes, social media influencing, creative marketing, digital strategy, today's athlete, whether active or retired, and in Drew's case, he's active, is continuously redefining what it means to be a professional on and off the field. For all you business people and entrepreneurs out there, I want you to check out Squarespace. When we launched this podcast, we first launched our website, SuitingUpPodcast.com. I encourage all of you to check it out for show notes, links, etc. We think it's some of the most extensive in the business. And when we built the Paul Rabel Experience and Rabel Events more recently, we focused on colorful, creative, and effective digital solutions to build the business. Your website is your platform. Of course, make sure it renders to mobile. Squarespace is used by a wide range of creatives, people, and businesses, musicians, designers, artists, restaurants, you name it. And as an entrepreneur, you can launch a business and create a beautiful website or online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates. First big-time perk, it's machine-managed. That means there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade once the site is built, ever. Big-time perk number two, Squarespace provides award-winning 24-7 customer service, underscore 24-7. That's a huge perk. It's flexible for any kind of website, so for all you young lacrosse players or general sporting goods enthusiasts, if you have a craft, start a website and show us what you got. Here's what my listeners can do. Hop on Squarespace.com and use offer code RABLE for 10% off your first purchase of a website and domain. That's right. Squarespace.com. Use offer code RABEL. That's Squarespace. Make your next move with a beautiful website. If you're a loyal Suiting Up podcast listener, last week you heard about my YouTube audience commenting hashtag Fear the Beard on my videos. Well, right now I'm contemplating potentially shaving it in its entirety. It's really hot this August. But whether I continue to trim or entirely shave it, The biggest thing to happen to Barbasol since shaving cream is also the only thing to happen to Barbasol since shaving cream. And we'd like to introduce new Barbasol razors. The brand America Trust for a close, comfortable shave now has premium disposable razors. Barbasol's close shave technology on every razor means you get an advanced pivoting head and ultra-thin, open-flow blades. The Ultra 6 Plus razor also features a 7th blade. Specifically designed to refine and style tricky areas like under the nose, sideburns, and yes, my fear of the beard. Visit Barbasol.com and get a $2 savings coupon and see for yourself why Barbasol razors are the number one new disposable razor out there. You're looking good, America. You're shaving with Barbasol. I first wanted to chat a little bit about your on-field career and then go into business. Um, and, and, and so with that, you know, starting when you were drafted to San Diego and uh, out of Purdue, you had a nice start to your NFL career. Uh, and, and what struck me, and when, and when I start, first started really following you, um, was after adversity struck. And that came at the, at the end of your 2015 or your 2005 season when you tore your labrum, which would be the equivalent for a pitcher, uh, having Tommy John surgery, and it's, it was in your throwing shoulder. So subsequent reports also showed rotator cuff damage. And, you know, for you, from a sports psychology standpoint, did you think it was over at the time? And, and how did you approach that?
1: Yeah, that was, that was, at the time, that was one of the toughest things I've ever had to deal with. Because, um, you know, you gotta got to understand the circumstances, too. You know, so I was, this was the last game of the 2005 season. So it was my fifth season in the NFL, um I had played out my rookie contract with the Chargers and then they had franchised me in two thousand five, but they had drafted Phillip Rivers with the fourth pick of the draft um after the O three season. So really my first three season three seasons in the NFL were uh pretty up and down. Um I was benched three times during my my uh my second season as a starter, which was two thousand three. And coming on the heels of that season, you know, I think there were some people in the building that felt like, you know, I I was not the quarterback for the future and they needed to go out and draft that guy. And so they drafted Phillip. So Phillip and I had competed uh, for the job in 2004 and I won the job and I started and we went 12 and four, we won the division, we made the playoffs. I made my first pro bowl and just had one of those, one of those, um, great seasons and, and kind of breakout seasons, I guess. Um, so going into 2005, um, I didn't have a contract, so they franchised me, which was basically kind of a you know a one-year insurance policy, right? Like, hey, we'll hold on to you for a year, let's see you do it again, and then you know we'll start thinking about a long-term contract, you know, and then you know kind of we're you're our guy again. Well, you know we uh, here I am going into the last game of the '05 campaign and have had a good season. You know, felt like the opportunity was going to be there to sign a long term contract in uh San Diego. You know, and that had been my goal ever since I was drafted the Chargers was that, hey, I would I would be I would be the guy there for my whole career. You know, look at Dan Marino, look at John Elway, all these guys that had spent their entire careers in one place, you know, that mm-hmm. was going to be me. And uh and in, in, right in the middle of that game, the last game of my career or last game of my uh of that season, I I jump, try to jump on a, a loose ball, and uh, I dislocate my throwing shoulder. Which, like you said, it's the equivalent of, you know, about the worst thing that can happen to a throwing a thrower, you know, a throwing athlete. Right. Um, I tear my labrum 360 degrees around. I I kind of sever my rotator cuff, uh, my supraspinatus, and. Um, I was walking off the field actually with my arm stuck out to the side because my arm was still dislocated. It was like a scene from Lethal Weapon. Remember when Mel Gibson used to throw his arm in and out of socket? So it was yeah. just sitting there out of socket. It was sitting there out of socket, and I knew, I, I never, I mean, I, I never imagined dislocating my shoulder, especially my throwing shoulder. Hmm. But I knew exactly what it was, like, right when it happened. I mean, when I got up off the ground, I felt my shoulder out of socket. I said, I'm probably never going to play for the Chargers again. Like, I'll never put this uniform on again. Hmm. As I'm walking off the field, I'm thinking this to myself. And then I – and even, you know, worse thought comes to mind, and and that is that I may may never play football again. You know, it's that serious. And so, you know, you spend the next – Four or five days just feeling sorry for myself and wallowing in despair but you know then then my faith really took over and I said you know what God has a plan and I don't know what it is right now but um, I just uh I just know I've got to trust trust what's happening here and um yeah you know that's what that's what led it led me to New Orleans you know there was there was no other way I ever would have made my way to New Orleans not only to hmm. be a part of the New Orleans saints and what we've been able to accomplish as a team but but more importantly what I've been able to be a part of with the resurgence and resurrection of this city post-Katrina, you know, and here we are going on 12 years later and it's been such an unbelievable journey.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, that's what I've gleaned is is a primary focus of yours as, as being an entrepreneur in that market is helping uh, re kickstart that economy post-Katrina. But I want to sit on adversity a little bit longer because I think there's so much application, not only through your experience for athletes and entrepreneurs listening to the podcast, Um, uh, but, but multiple occasions where, where you face this. And so starting with like, not a, not a prototypical NFL quarterback, right? You're six foot. And, uh, for a similar reason why I probably didn't pursue my first passion, which was basketball because I wasn't six, six, I wasn't as, uh, mentally tougher, I guess, suppose had had as much grit as you did to pursue that. So you, 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 have had the naysayers in your corner, um, before committing to Purdue, um, you know, you tore your ACL um, and, and that probably hurt you in, in the recruiting rounds then as well. So you you had a little bit of experience to pull from, uh, but this one, you know, playing professionally, right, where, where you're making your livable income had to really hurt. Um, and, and so I can, I can empathize with you there. What, what's, what's so interesting to me though, is, is the crossover into business. And, and, and I often, uh, kind of overly analyze the question of uh, when, it, when, a, when, a, when someone is interviewing a candidate for a position, they ask about their failures they've experienced. And, you know, there's no greater adversity in sports than there is injury. Um, it, do you think you developed a lot of uh, will and thoughtfulness around resurgence through the torn ACL in high school than having a terrific career in Purdue? Um, and then the torn rotator cuff rebounding, which we'll get to, and had an incredible career and still going here in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, there was there was a lot of there's a lot of parallels um, with the ACL injury that I suffered in high school, and then the shoulder injury I just described in San Diego. Um, so that ACL injury occurred uh, during my junior season. It was during the playoffs, and I played uh, high school football in Austin, Texas. We were a 5A school. Um, by all accounts, I mean, like we, one of the better high school programs in the state. We were, what well, we felt like, we were on our way to winning a state championship. You know, my high school never won a state championship before. It's probably the best team, maybe that we've ever had in, in my in my high school's history. And we were on our way to the state championship game in the third round of the playoffs. I I go back to pass, get mm-hmm. hit, you know, plant my knee into the ground and tear my ACL. And and you know, this is 1995 when this when this occurs. You know, so over 20 years ago, which I'd say, you know, an ACL injury is still a very serious injury for an athlete, especially a a, a change of direction athlete. Um, But I'd say that surgeries have come really, really far, and the recovery on that is is much better than it used to be. Well, you know, mid-'90s, I mean, I, I saw a bunch of my teammates throughout my freshman year, sophomore year, junior year that had suffered that injury and they had never come back the same, you know, didn't come back with the same flexibility to the same pop, the same speed or quickness. And so I thought to myself, you know, is this something that is going to end my football career? And really I was even more of a baseball player. So I had to miss the entire, my entire junior season of, of baseball, which, you know, that's when you get recruited, you get recruited your junior year. And, and, and I wanted to go play baseball in college. I mean, that was really my dream football, I, I hmm. play football because I love football, and I lived in the state of Texas, and that's what we do—we play football, right? Just right. like you play lacrosse in the Northeast, right? Yep. But, um, but I, but I, my, my true passion was baseball. Believe it or not. Hmm. So, um, you know, here I am again in a similar situation, and having to just kind of wrap my mind around the fact that okay, this has happened, and and it, again, my, my faith took hold, and and this is here for a reason, and I don't understand it right now. And I'm angry about it, and I'm questioning it. But I've just got to trust that God has a plan for me, and this is all here to mold me, strengthen me into who
0: I am meant to be. What about methodology? There are so many folks that are listening that uh, are are injured and aren't NFL quarterbacks or injured and aren't professional lacrosse players but still have to or would like to recover to get back to their regular day activities. What what have you done so well, and how do you approach now recovery – uh, and then even, even to that extent, like the, what we call prehab, so preparing yourself so that you don't get injured again.
1: Okay, well, I'll, I'll, use, I'll use those injuries as an example. So, you know, when I tore my ACL, I was, uh, I was you know, 170 pounds. And, and after my six-month rehab protocol, you know, I worked out, I, I lifted weights, I, I did exercises that I had never done before. You know, I'd always been a pretty natural athlete. I'd never had to – so this is the first time I really had to um, put my mind and body to work in in, in that way for that period of time. And at the end of that process, I was 190 pounds, and I I was much stronger, not just physically but mentally, having had to do that. And I also learned, oh, wow, these are things that I can continue to do to continue to, you know – refine my ability and my strength and um, it was the same thing with my shoulder I still do my shoulder rehab protocol now that I did back when I was trying to you know just be able to throw again 12 years ago mm. uh, You know, after that, yep. that injury so I find that I found that these were all learning situations for me I learned things through those that I still apply to what I do today and had I not gone through those things I wouldn't have learned them any other way so I think that's always been my approach with just about everything, especially any type of adversity is, you know, if this adversity is an opportunity. It's an opportunity for me to be exposed to something, to learn something new that I never would have had the opportunity to learn otherwise. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then after the recovery, nine trips to the Pro Bowl, took the franchise to their first Super Bowl, You've led all NFL quarterbacks in touchdowns, passing yards, 300-yard games. I also pulled a stat: you've passed for over 5,000 yards in a season five times, and no other NFL quarterback has done that more than once. Uh, so, so like not only recovering, but coming back better than you were. And a lot of times, the, the the mentality is, well, I hope to come back to the same place where I was pre-injury. You came back better, and that's really impressive. And I think traditionally, athletes spend most of their time solely dedicated to training and rehab. And I, I guess when you are recovering, your daily schedule heavily tilts toward making sure you're right. But right now, while you are right, you're involved in a lot of branding, business, philanthropy. We had talked to you. The first thing you said when you hopped on is you got a ton of irons in the fire. And, and so, like, how are you managing your time? <laughs>
1: You know, it's the balance of life, right? I mean, I, it's 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 uh, it's one of the biggest challenges, um, especially since I'm a, a husband and father of four kids as well. You know, I got mm-hmm. three boys, ages eight, six, and four, and then a little girl who's two. Um, my wife and I have a foundation that uh, that we run, that we've been able to raise or, or contribute more than twenty-five million dollars over the last thirteen years in a bunch of different communities around the country and. I've got business interests and, and all at the same time trying to be the best football player that I can be for as long as I can be. So, you know, I, I think it, it takes it takes great time management. It takes a lot of discipline. I think I'm, I'm always figuring things out, you know, better ways to, to manage my time and ways to become more efficient and maybe how to delegate. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it takes a great team, you know, and I feel like I've got a great team in place with Um, obviously the support system that I have at home with my wife, my wife knows that when I go to work, uh, to the saints facility that, Hey, I'm going to be, I need to be gone as long as I, as I have to be in order to, you know, prepare myself as best as I can to go out and play well on Sundays. And, you know, she explains that to the kids whenever they're upset, when dad's got to go to work, you know, and, and yet I also, it also motivates and inspires me more than anything. You know, when I do go to work and that is I need to be as productive as possible while I'm here because I know that I need to walk out the door by, you know, seven o'clock in the evening in order to get home in time to read my kids a book before they go to bed because I want, I want, I want to be the last person they see before they go to bed and I want to have that time with them and I want to read to them and I want to tell them how much I love them and I want to talk about their day and I want to, I want to be present for them. And so, you know, it's again, it's just, um, it's the balance of life, you know, and I I think it is a constant balance and a constant struggle, but you just, um, you know, you find, find a way to just be present in whatever you're doing and be the best at whatever you're doing. And, um, but always, you know, you gotta have that be inspired, you know, by, by something. And I'm inspired by my family every day.
0: Yeah. I was inspired by that. I was, I was listening to your shows where you've appeared on, you know, Fox business to CNBC to being talked about on ESPN and, and the NFL network. And they often ask about your legacy, whether it's sport or business and you deflect and you, and and you say, listen, my legacy is about being a good father, a good husband, um, and servicing the greater Louisiana community. And you've done so by operating and investing in the market. Um, you mentioned being present with your kids, um, you know, are are you out you you're you're hopefully back in the in the home by seven PM? Are you out earlier than seven AM? And like I guess oh, yeah. take us through a day right now. Like you know, what is that looking like for you on a calendar? I imagine it changes on a day to day basis. So I suppose uh the most regular ish day for you?
1: Yeah. Well the the, the the off season off season is great because th- this is this is the time where I get to spend the, the most time with my, my family my wife and kids so you know a, a typical off season day would be I, I'm an early riser um, I, I get up at I get up at four just about every day because my most productive time during the day is between like four and six a.m. because my everybody in the house is asleep I know that they're safe I know that they're taken care of and then I can sit I can just focus and concentrate on you know Whatever it is, you know the business interest, the foundation stuff. Um, you know, just I might just take time to read, read my Bible, read read a book that I'm into. But that's just my that's my time to get everything kind of done and get the day going. And then wow. from six to eight, you're getting the kids breakfast, you get them ready to go to school. My wife and I kind of tag team and help take kids to school, and then spend the rest of the morning working out. Come back, grab lunch, and then go pick up the kids from school. And then usually you got practice of some kind, sports, swim practice, your football practice, you name it. And then, yep. you know, come home, get ready for dinner, read them books, get them, get them in bed by eight, eight o'clock or so, and then try to be in bed by nine or nine thirty, and then do it all yep. over again.
0: Yeah. It sounds to me like you, you've, you've got a pretty good handle on, on your time and your days. And it, you know, it's a 4am start is, is really impressive. Um, in, in that four to 6am hour, uh, I want to dive a little bit into your into your operations and your investments. Your portfolio is huge, uh, consisting of Dunk, Dunkin' Donuts, Jimmy John's, and a number of other groups that that we'll kind of gloss through. But you know, in, in your eyes, why why the franchise model, and specifically with Dunkin' Donuts, Jimmy John's, and and more recently, you know, Title Title Boxing Club, which which I'm really impressed with.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I. Uh, so I started off in the franchise world, uh, so to speak, six years ago. Um, I've always been a huge fan of Jimmy John's since my college days at Purdue University. So um, mm. you I know, went to Purdue, would order Jimmy John's at the dorm like three times a week. So I started off loving the product. <laughs> I love the brand.
0: There you go. Um,
1: so then I get, I get drafted to the Chargers. There's no Jimmy John's in San Diego. Make my way to New Orleans, there's no Jimmy John's in San Diego. So the only way I could get it <laughs> was by going back to Purdue, which I was going back once or twice a year. So about six years ago, I'm sitting in a Jimmy John's at Purdue and I'm sitting there taking a bite into a number nine uh, Italian nightclub sandwich. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> I have to br- I have to bring this down to New Orleans. Like it's been right. It's been long enough. I've got to bring this down there. I think it would do so well. And it's just a great brand. So I call up uh, a former teammate of mine who was actually the VP of operations for Jimmy John's corporate at the time, and I said, huh. what's it going to take to get a Jimmy John's down to New Orleans? He said, well, we just opened up that territory. Are you interested? I said, absolutely. So that got the ball rolling, became the uh, Jimmy John's franchisee here in New Orleans for the greater New Orleans area. So we have nine, we have nine uh, units here in, in, uh, in New Orleans. And um, from there, I just, I got the bug. You know, I, I love the franchise model for a lot of reasons. Number one, if you, you, you're 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 getting involved with an established brand that have, that has established uh, procedures and processes in place, are obviously successful. That's why they're a franchise model, and especially Jimmy John's, you've got over 2,000 franchises nationwide, so they're doing something right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and and I learned so much about just running a business um, through that mm-hmm. process, and I realized, you know what? I really love the franchise model. I love the business opportunity that it creates for other people. You know, I think there's a lot of people out there that want the independence of owning their own business, but they don't necessarily have the, the, the idea or the ability to really go out and execute just, you know, what would be like a startup business, you know? So yes, it makes so much exactly. sense to be able to take an established model, an established model, and just you know, plug that into a community that has all the right metrics or all the right demographics or whatever it is that that is that franchise, and then that becomes your business, and, and they can be yeah. very successful, you know. But it does take a lot of work, and it takes a lot of time and effort, really understanding the brand, and and then how to go out and, and operate it and execute. So um, that got me uh, in, it then involved with Walk Ons Bistro and Bar, which is a uh, I would right. really call it like a family sports bar like a family grill um, that started in Baton Rouge Louisiana um, back in 2003 and uh, I joined the team three years ago on the or side so I'm actually my former uh, LSU basketball
0: walk ons right
1: that's exactly right hence the name walk ons um, yeah Landry. I love that so we we uh, when I joined three years ago we had um, we had four corporate stores and, and we had just signed on our first franchise now we've got uh, eight franchises open. We're going to open up probably six or seven more in 2017. And hmm. we are going to open up about seven to 10 a year, um, probably in perpetuity, <laughs> you know? So we're, we're going to, yeah. we're, we're, uh, it's been an unbelievable, um, unbelievable, you know, journey here over the last three years with walk-ons. Cause it's, it's such an exciting brand. I think it, it has something to offer to everybody. It's very family friendly. Our demographics within, you know, our, uh, our, uh, our, our units are fifty fifty male female, which is pretty unheard of for a sports bar concept. It's that's great terrific. for a girls night out, guys night out, family f- friendly. I mean, it's been it's really a a family experience, and so that's what we're that's what we're selling with walk ons. And the food is second to none. It's 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 a taste of Americana, but it's got you know the Louisiana the know Cajun cuisine as well, which everybody loves. So we're expanding to the southeast right now, but that'll be a national brand before you know it. I can promise you that. Dunkin' Donuts with yeah. a unique opportunity. I'm on the franchisee side of that. Um, we had an existing Dunkin' Donuts franchisee that came into Louisiana and wanted to build out the state, and he approached us about joining the team. And so studied up on the Dunkin' Donuts brand, felt like that was a great opportunity. So we've got true. That was Vic Patel, 20. right? Yeah, Vic Patel, exactly. So we've got. And, the and when you say he 70. approaches
0: us, is, is he is that is that you and your team?
1: I've got a team in place that. That obviously, depending on the venture or what have you, you know, we'll we'll dive into it further and, and see if it's if it's the right fit. Um, Interesting. And so felt like felt like that was a great great opportunity. Obviously, Duncan is, is a very established brand in the Northeast, um, and and trying to expand down here into the Southeast, which um, you know we felt like was a great opportunity for Louisiana. So uh, we're we're uh, we're signed on to do seventy stores in Louisiana. Uh, we're going to build three in New Orleans here this year and then we'll see how it goes after that, but uh, excited about that. And then title boxing was was really unique. You know, it's I think it's a natural transition for a lot of athletes to, 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 to go into the fitness world when they're done playing sports. You know, it's what they know. Mm-hmm. It's what they've done their whole life. So um, uh, I think that's why you see a lot of athletes, you know, whether it's, you know, they open up their own uh, workout facility or they choose to franchise another workout facility or – you know I, I know former athletes that are involved in in orange theory and d1 and you know yep. uh, uh, soul cycle and you know all these other brands and yet you know what really attracted me and again I'm on the franchisor side of, of title boxing what, Interesting. what attracted me to title boxing was that you know boxing boxing has kind of stood the test of time like boxing has always been a, it, it's been around forever and it's always been regarded as the best workout you could get and the life-changing stories that I've seen, since I've been a part of title boxing in regards to how it's completely transformed people's bodies, the way people have gained confidence, self-esteem, the way they've completely changed their outlook on life and, and their health, um, due to those workouts, um, is really inspired me. Um, I'd say the leadership team in place with title boxing, uh, our CEO, John Rashi who um, has served as president of the international franchising association, um, David Barr is another one of our partners with that. Um, uh, Doc Cohen, um, uh, Shelly Sun, we've got an unbelievable leadership team in place and ownership team with Title Boxing. That I, I yeah. we've changed our model a little bit to be a smaller box, you know, more intimate environment. Um, you know, typically they've been huge boxes that can only really fit in suburban areas. Now we're in downtown areas. You know, we're, 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 we're right next to the Orange Theories and the Soul Cycles and, you know, a lot of those other wow. trendy fitness models. We've, but but it, it's, it's really, I think, a brand and, a, and a, a model that kind of stands the test of time. It's the best workout you can get, it's a boxing workout.
0: Okay, this feels like a good time to take a break from our chat with Drew to talk about Skillshare. Are you a professional looking to get a leg up at work? Or maybe you're someone who loves learning new things? I also don't think these are mutually exclusive and would flag Drew Brees possessing both in his repertoire as a future Hall of Fame quarterback and multiple-time entrepreneur I've been a Skillshare member for three years. In fact, when I onboarded Andrew, Neil, Mick, and our interns, they get access to our Rabel company's profile and videos. Skillshare is an online learning community with over 16,000 classes in design, business, and more. Starting a company from scratch is just as challenging as it is fulfilling, but requires a vast skill set. And understanding the fundamentals of legal, corporate structuring, management, sales, marketing, compliance, that list goes on, I wanted to absorb all of this and found a fast track to doing so with Skillshare. Open an account and you'll get unlimited access to all of this for a low monthly price. Never pay per class again. And, 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 and. Skillshare is giving our listeners a month of unlimited access and it's absolutely free. I highly recommend this. Go to Skillshare.com slash Rabel and you'll redeem your first free month. Skillshare.com slash Rabel for a month of unlimited access. Now, back to Suiting Up with Drew Brees. Drew, your origin story for that was was really interesting to me. So I, I read that you met the founder, as you mentioned, at a U- University of Michigan event for NFL players. And so this was yeah. basically something that was being hosted by U of M uh, to talk about career after the playing field. He He mentioned seeing you in the front row taking notes more than anyone else in the class and then... You guys struck, a, struck up a conversation afterwards, and now you're a franchisor. I, I found that really interesting, being on both sides now of that business, uh, and, and really impressive. Uh, walk, can, can you tell me about that experience, and, and, and what was it intellectual curiosity, and do you go to these events often to try and pick off potentially your next opportunity?
1: Yeah, so that was an extended education program that was offered by the NFL at the University of Michigan, and it specialized in franchising. And I was already an existing uh, walk-ons franchisee, and I had just bought into uh, – excuse me, I was a Jimmy John's franchisee, and I had just right. bought into walk-ons as a franchisor. And honestly, that was just – for me, I, I'm I'm always thirsting for more knowledge and the opportunity to meet um, other people that are involved in, in, in other franchise models, just seeing the way that other people operate and, and, and the way that they run their business. And maybe there's just little bits and pieces that you can pull from – from other businesses that will help you run mm. your business more efficiently or maybe give you a different mindset or perspective. You know, I mean, I'm always, always looking for ways to get better, so to speak, right, at, at, at what we're doing. And um, in the process, had the chance to meet John Rachi. He was one of the presenters talking about title boxing. Um, you know, I had seen the brand around quite a bit, but uh, was not all that familiar. And so I had the chance to sit down with him during that trip and really learn a lot about um, the model. And, um, and, and he, he basically just offered, Hey, I'd love to be a mentor for you. You know, I've had a lot of mentors, uh, for me in the franchise industry as I've come along here. And so I'd love to, you know, kind of pay that back, so to speak by, you know, taking you under my wing. And, and I said, listen, I'd love to use you as a resource. And so, you know, for the next year, we just built the relationship, honestly, just lots of conversations about, you know, not just title, but just franchising in general and just about the overall business. And, and, um, that just evolved into, you know, having the opportunity to be come in on the franchise or side of title boxing, which was a great fit for all the reasons I just mentioned. You know, I love the business model, but more importantly, I really love the leadership group that was behind it, including John, yeah. and uh, that was just a natural fit.
0: Yeah, it sounds like item number 1 for you is 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 looking at the executive team. Would you, would you say that, I'm, I'm probably missing something? so why don't, why, don't, why don't I ask it this way, if there's anything that you, you would add, and this is me kind of trying to distill what, what you were going through, and it's, again, an incredibly impressive list, is that the attraction to the franchise model, particularly for an NFL player, NBA player, NHL, you can even call it a pro lacrosse player or soccer player, is that you're given a playbook of operational tools, uh, by the company, which you said is very different than just saying, hey, let's start a restaurant from scratch, right? There are nuances that people right, forget, right. as low as napkins and utensils to getting the lights on and paying, and, and paying certain contractors to paint the walls on, in line with brand. So if you playbook of operational tools, you have the benefit of franchise account managers, which usually come from corporate, where you can get on the phone with them as, as often as you'd like to, to sift through certain details. And then there's brand alignment. Does that sound right or is there other things that like really jump at you as you're a franchisor pitching new franchisees and being a franchisee looking at the quality of the franchisor?
1: You hit it on the head um, with, with describing, I think, what is, what's all the great things about the franchise model versus trying to start something from scratch. Um, I mean, I I, 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 know this, you know, as I'm, as I was looking at a brand um, and, you know, trying to choose, hey, like with Jimmy John's, for example, I wasn't just gonna, I wasn't just gonna franchise any brand just, just to become a franchisee. I was gonna get yeah. involved with the right brand. And so, what was the right brand for me? Well, first and foremost, I gotta love the product. You know, hmm. I, I've gotta, I've gotta have experience with the product, and I've gotta love the product. And I love Jimmy John's. It, it, it took me back to my college days. I mean, there was a nostalgia yeah. it, it, with it. And, 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 and I. I knew that if one was right next to my house, I would probably eat there every day, you know? So
0: yeah, it started yeah. off
1: by, do, do, you love, do you love what you're making or do you love what you're selling? Yeah, I, I did. Um, number two, I said, all right, well, is there a uniqueness about the business model, you know? Um, hmm. And I feel like with Jimmy John's, there absolutely was. The fact that Jimmy John's can deliver a sandwich to you in 15 minutes or less is, like, mind-boggling. And once you get into business, you you understand just how unique that is and not... Nobody can do that except for them. Number three, and, and probably really the most important, was um, what's the leadership in place? You know, and and I've I've been so impressed with Jimmy Luttrell, the founder of Jimmy John's. And when you hear his story about how he started the brand, you know he he started the brand in 1983 in Champaign, Illinois, basically on a loan from his father. Like his father gave him a twenty-five thousand dollars loan and said, basically, Jimmy had dropped out of college, and he said. Jimmy said, or his dad was saying, if you're going to military school or I'm sending you to, into the military, you know, unless you get your life together. And Jimmy was like, well, I got an idea for a sandwich shop. You know, can I, can I give that a shot first? And his dad's like, all right, but if it fails, you're, you're, you're heading to the military. So Jimmy basically was not going to let that fail. Like right. he said, at times he was the only employee in the store because he just had a way that he wanted things done. And he couldn't hire employees to get things, get the job done the way he wanted to. So he was basically the only employee for the longest time. Had one store, just operating that, just kind of getting by about the skin of his teeth. And then eventually, he was able to build that into a brand. And listen, he had he had ups ups and downs along the way. You know, there was a period of time where he had seventy five percent of his franchises were failing. You know, this is in the early two thousands, and he had to spend five years traveling around, getting all of them turned back around and operating the right way. And 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 um, you know. Uh, it's just been an amazing journey. And and here's a guy who just, he just sold a a big stake in his company for, uh, for $2 billion. So, I mean, that's, that just, it it just, it just, you know, you learn, you learn so much, but at the end of the day, you know, what, what's, what's the leadership in place, you know, and, 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 and how have they built, how have they built this brand? And, you know, what do they have invested? And, you know, are are they going to provide you with the type of support you need to be successful? and, uh, that's that's really what got me turned on yeah. to Jimmy John's. I would say that's kind of it, the, the mindset that should be there for every person that's thinking about you know wanting to become a franchisee.
0: Yeah, passion is big for me there, and that's and that's what I left off and and what you started with in Jimmy John's, and that's clear. And and I think for people listening too, if it's if it's not already inherently obvious how well educated you are in these particular investments or operations that you have in house and. That's a clear commitment that is derived from passion, but also knowing the history of your founder, to me, um, validates all of that passion. It's things that we're passionate about. We go above and beyond, and you mentioned intellectual curiosity, and you're above and beyond now as an angel investor as well, and it's all tied back in to your operations, which I love, and you just led a $10 million seed round with the startup waiter, and again, based in Louisiana. So it, it's community-based yeah. for you. It's following these Drew Brees pillars that you have in place. And this is an app-based restaurant platform that connects restaurants and guests. And, and it's similar to an order-up, although it seems like there are a number of different layers, like customizing orders and modifying any item and splitting checks, et cetera. W- what got you into angel investing if all of your operations weren't enough already? <laughs>
1: You know, um, I, I'd say I, I'd say a couple things. I mean, number one, I uh, I, I I I love the opportunity to help build um, build our local economy. I mean, when I think about yes. New Orleans, when I think about Louisiana, um, I, I, I I I love to support um, our community in that way. And, and I feel like that's what we've been able to do with just about every one of our ventures. You know, Jimmy John's, we are employing at times, you know, 30 employees per store. You know, so think about the jobs that we're creating with our business. Walk-ons the same way. Waiter the same way. You're, you're, you're taking a local brand, a local business, and you're you're not only creating jobs, building the economy, but you're also in a position where you have the opportunity to build something really unique. You know, really build a business, expand it nationwide, and be a part of something that, um, you know, I, I feel like I also is providing a service that is much needed, you know? So, yeah. I think, hey, I've got a passion for it. I love it. I'm intrigued by it. I love I love the art of the deal. I love being able to put the, the business model together, you know, recreate the business plan if needed. I mean, just kind of going through that whole process really intrigues me. It excites me. Um, but also the opportunity to take a local Louisiana business and really turn it into something unique.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and now you're investing into software as a service that's servicing your portfolio, and it just seems really well-rounded to me. And while you're still playing, we talked a little bit about time management, but a quarterback that I think of when I think of you and and what you're accomplishing off the field while simultaneously accomplishing all, now it, it took him to take big swings after retiring, is Joe Montana, and and who's a terrific uh, investor out in Silicon Valley uh, and venture capitalist. And he says the most difficult thing is to try to find people that you trust. And I got to imagine with minimal bandwidth, um, being on multiple teams on the field and off the field, where does that fall in your criteria? And how do you retain your partners that you trust?
1: Yeah, that's, listen, that's, 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 that's the toughest part, you know, because you know, obviously, I only, I only have so much time. You know, that's not this. The business side is not my full-time job. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm fo- football player, family man. I mean, that's 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 where a majority of my my time goes. You know, at this point, point. and so it's, um, you really do have to have people that you trust that can help vet things for you, that can help uh, keep an eye on things for you, that uh, that you. You are able to delegate things to, and and know that they're going to get done, and and also that you, you can you can build things with. I mean that that's part of the fun of this is that you're you're having a chance to do it with people that you trust, that you care about, that have the same interests and passions that you do, um, and so that's that's a part of this that makes it really fun. And I, I feel like I've built a great a great team that you know as, as as deals come in, we're able to evaluate them, we're able to talk about them, we learn a lot about the deal and about each other, even at the same time, you know, as we, as we kind of go through the process, but yeah, at the end of the day, you know, when I, when I can't keep, you know, keep my eye on it, you know, necessarily, or when I can't be the one to be hands-on there, I have partners, I have, um, you know, people that I really trust that, that are, that are doing it, you know, with me.
0: And and I know you're, you're being humble and, and, I, I can really appreciate that it's a, it's it's the sign of a really good leader. I think it's obviously there, there. There's an interesting parallel between quarterbacking a team and leading that team, and and what you're doing now with your team off the field. I would actually say that time for someone like you, and available time, is less important than the the energy that you put forth. And it's clear to me, even on. On on this podcast here, through conversation, your energy is abundant, and that means your output is going to be stronger per the average person time spent. I have a question for the operators that are listening to the show. Given that you've invested in startups and you're a franchisor, you've probably sat in on a number of pitches, or even on the field. If if your team is looking at acquiring new talent, like an Adrian Peterson. What are some things that you look at as uh, as as someone who could be a good business partner or teammate for Drew Brees?
1: Oh man, great question. Um, again, I, I I would say this. I I have I I have invested in companies along the way where you know what I I kind of knew in my heart like yeah you know I think the business model is good. Yeah, I mean I have some doubt based upon you know certain things. I think it's maybe 50/50 or even even more of a long shot that this succeeds and yet I'm sitting here staring at the founder and I'm, I'm I can see the fire in their eyes, I can see the passion in their heart. Like I know that they would rather die than see this business fail. You know, and at that point, wow. man, I'm just I'm going with the jockey. You, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm Yeah. I I I trust this person. Based upon their heart and their passion for what they're doing. If this does fail, it's not going to be because be because, be because of a lack of effort or because of a lack of what to. Um, it, it's just going to be because hey, it just it just didn't work out, you know. But so yeah, so I I've, I've I've done that. I've done that, you know, on a few occasions where it's like ah, you know, it's maybe a bigger risk because of it. But man, there's just something about this person, and, and I and I, I just I believe in them. So uh, that's first and foremost. That's first and foremost, because you know, because I would say on the flip side, you can take some of the best ideas. And yet if you can't execute them because the person in charge is not, you know, doesn't have that fire or passion or uh, mm-hmm. in their gut, then then it's not going to be successful anyway.
0: Is, is that is that kind of figured out through experience? I mean, that's a that's an invaluable gut that you have and being able to determine fire. Uh, and I mentioned Chris Saka. He often tells that story of investing in Uber at an early stage level because of Travis Kalanick, and um, you know his reputation um, wavers from time to time now. But uh, just an unbelievable competitor, uh, and and that's and that's why he decided to take on that risk. Um, have yeah. you developed that sensibility around your peers from playing quarterback and from? you know, being a part of a number of franchises that you've probably seen do really well and maybe not so well, uh, is it experience or are there like specific things that you're looking at in terms of, in terms of mannerisms?
1: Uh, you know, I, I think it's hard. It's, I'd say it's hard to describe other than just, it's a feeling, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's, it's from being around somebody. Um, again, it's, it's what you hear in their voice. It's what. You, what you hear in their heart. It's what you see in their eyes. Um, you know, so uh, hard to describe, but I would say, obviously by being an athlete, having been in a lot of, you know, around a lot of great players, you know, and around a lot of great people like that, you know, where I can just see that quality and and that trait is maybe I recognize it, um, Hmm. maybe differently than, than some people would. Um, and especially being around people in really competitive situations or really tense situations, and there's those that just have that air of confidence and and and, uh, and calm to them, where you just, then you know things are going to work out. I mean, that's that's uh, it's just something you feel.
0: Yep, and and a lot of this stuff can be gleaned from your New York Times best selling book, uh, "Coming Back Stronger: Unleashing the Hidden Power of Adversity," and you talk about the going through the injuries and finding God and marrying your, your college sweetheart. Um, and and it's really inspiring. I encourage all of our listeners to read it. Um, you, you mentioned growing up and being an avid baseball fan, you wear number nine because of Ted Williams. Um, this book, it's been on my bookshelf for a long time. What other books do you recommend to our audience?
1: Oh, wow. Um, you know what, I, I find myself reading a lot of books about, um, about how to be a better father. I, I mean, and not necessarily like, hmm. okay, you know, here's the t- you know 50 tips to being a great father, but it, it's like books to learn more about my kids or learn more about the stages of, of my kids or how to best parent them, how to best motivate and inspire them. Um, the book The Talent Code, I don't know if you've ever read that, um, yep. but that's a great book. Uh, the book uh, Grit. Uh yep. I just finished reading re- recently um
0: Perseverance Meeting Passion.
1: Uh, yeah. 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 Yep. Um any any John Wooden book, any John Wooden book I I absolutely love. John John Wooden was a was a Purdue guy. I'm I'm, I'm very proud to say that. Um
0: There you go.
1: <laughs> you know, so, um but uh y- yeah, I'm I'm a uh, so so books on leadership, books on just better understanding uh, how i really the, how I want to father my ch- my children you know, i mean how i want to to parent them, how I want to um, teach them motivate them inspire them you know those are those are the type of books
0: I read to all of our youngsters out there who may be outsized but driven to succeed, what is some of the best advice that you could give them
1: this is the, some of the best advice I ever got, and that was don 't ever let anybody tell you that you can 't uh achieve something you 're willing to work for. Um, hmm. You know, there's 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 so many stories about there uh, about kids with talent who never made it anywhere because they didn't have that fire or passion in their hearts. And then there's there's plenty more stories about the kids that were told that they would never amount to anything because they weren't big enough, strong enough, fast enough, whatever. And yet they just had that fire, passion, uh, grit uh, that they just said, you know what, I'm 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 never going to give up, and I'm always going to work for it, and I know that as long as I do things the right way, good things are going to happen. And I'm going to worry about the things I can control. And, you know, those those are the stories that I love. And, 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 and I feel like those are the things that have had the biggest influence on me. And so um, that would be my advice, man. Don't ever let anybody tell you you can't accomplish something you're willing to work for.
0: Wow, that's really great. Preseason's kicking off. Your family you're attending to, your businesses, and your foundation. I just wanted to thank you for taking the time out. For this podcast and our audience, God bless my man and good luck this season, Drew.
1: All right. Thanks, Paul.
0: If you enjoyed Drew and my conversation, be sure to let us know. And you can join his 3 million plus Twitter followers by following him at Drew Breeze, which I suspect you're probably already one of them given the size of that audience. Big takeaway for me from this show, have a great team that surrounds you. And Drew notes that includes his family, friends, teammates, business partners, and advisors. Continue the conversation with me on social media. You can follow me across all platforms. That's at Paul Rabel. And be the first to listen to future episodes as well as catch up on previous episodes, including my one-on-one conversation with New England Patriots head coach Bill Belichick, Team USA women's soccer captain Julie Fowdy, and NBA star Jeremy Lin, just to name a few. You can find all of these episodes and more on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods. Shout out to our show sponsors today. There are a few of them, Barbasol, Skillshare, and Squarespace. Thank you to them and be sure to support them the way you so have graciously supported me and this show. I'm looking forward to next week.